Welcome to the Bible in 260 podcast, the podcast that brings you through the entire Bible in 260 days. Have you ever wanted to read the whole Bible but struggled to do so? This podcast is meant to help you do it. With five 15 to 20 minute episodes per week, you will hear the entire Bible read to you. There will also be occasional brief notes to help explain context, as well as a concluding question or thought to consider. So welcome to the Bible in 260 podcast, your journey through the Bible in 260 days. Welcome to episode 137. Today we're going to continue our story about uh, King Rehoboam, some of the things that happened also to King Jeroboam. And the theme we're looking at today is how God gives warnings at times to obey And these warnings are something that people either listen to and turn back to him in repentance and faith, or they choose not to. And these warnings are important because while we don't like warnings, we don't like to be told, when people listen to God, things go in a better direction. And when they don't, it doesn't work out so well. But in every single opportunity that God gives, he usually does warn people and call them back to himself. And so today, as we read through these things, maybe this will be an encouragement for us. Maybe it'll be uh, a convicting thing for us. But whatever it is, uh, we need to hear God's warnings and think about how we will respond to them. But let's begin in 1 Kings 13. We'll read 1 Kings 13 and 14, and then 2 Chronicles 12. Just then, a prophet arrived from Judah with the Lord's message for Bethel, as Jeroboam was standing near the altar, ready to offer a sacrifice. He cried out against the altar with the Lord's message, saying, O altar, altar, this is what the Lord has said. Look, a son named Josiah will be born to the Davidic dynasty. He will sacrifice on you the priests of the high places who offer sacrifices on you. Human bones will be burned on you. That day he had also given a sign, saying, This is the sign that the Lord has declared. The altar will split open and the ashes on it will pour out. When the king heard the prophet's message that he had cried out against the altar in Bethel, Jeroboam took his hand from the altar and pointed it, saying, Seize him! Then the hand that he pointed at him stiffened up, and he could not pull it back. Meanwhile, the altar split open, and the ashes poured from the altar in fulfillment of the sign of the prophet the prophet had given with the Lord's message. The king responded to the prophet, saying, Seek the favor of the Lord your God and pray for me, so that my hand may be restored. So the prophet sought the Lord's favor, and the king's hand was restored as it was at first. The king then said to the prophet, Come home with me and have something to eat, so that I may give you a gift. But the prophet said to the king, Even if you were to give me half your possessions, I would not go with you. I am not allowed to eat food or drink water in this place, for this is how I was commanded in the Lord's message. Eat no food, drink no water, and do not return by the way you came. So he started back on another road. He did not travel back on the same road he had taken to Bethel. Now, there was an old prophet living in Bethel. When his sons came home, they told him everything the prophet had done in Bethel that day. They told their father all the words that he had spoken to the king. Their father asked them, Which road did he take? His sons showed him the road the prophet from Judah had taken. He then told his, two, his, told his sons, Saddle the donkey for me. When they had saddled the donkey for him, he mounted it, and he took off after the prophet, whom he found sitting under an oak tree. He asked him, Are you the prophet from Judah? He answered, Yes, I am. 
Then he then said to him, Come home with me and eat something. But he replied, I can't go back with you. I am not allowed to eat food or drink water with you in this place. For an order came to me in the Lord's message, saying, Eat no food, drink no water there, and do not return by the way you came. Then the old prophet said, I too am a prophet like you. And an angel has told me in the message from the Lord, Bring him back with you to your house so he can eat food and drink water. But the old man had lied to him. So the prophet went back with him. He ate food in his house and drank water. While they were sitting at the table, the Lord's message came to the old prophet who had brought him back. So he cried out to the prophet who had come from Judah, saying, This is what the Lord has said. You have rebelled against the Lord's instruction and have not obeyed the command the Lord your God gave you. You went back, you ate food, and you drank water in the place of which he had said to you, Eat no food, drink no water. Therefore, your corpse will not be buried in your ancestral tomb. So this, this, this is what happened after he had eaten food and drunk water. The old prophet saddled the donkey for the prophet whom he had brought back. So the prophet from Judah traveled on. Then a lion attacked him on the road and killed him. There was his body lying on the road with the donkey standing next to it and the lion just standing there by the body. Then some men came passing by and saw the body lying in the road with the lion standing next to the body. They went and reported what they had seen in the city where the old prophet lived. When the old prophet who had invited him to his house heard the news, he said, It is the prophet who rebelled against the Lord. The Lord delivered him over to the lion and it tore him up and killed him, in keeping with the Lord's message that he had spoken to him. He told his sons, Saddle my donkey. So they saddled it. He went and found the body lying in the road with the donkey and the lion standing beside it. The lion had neither eaten the body nor attacked the donkey. The old prophet picked up the prophet's body, put it on the donkey, and brought it back. The old prophet then entered the city to mourn and to bury him. He put the body into his own tomb, and they mourned over him, saying, Ah, my brother. After he had buried him, he said to his sons, When I die, bury me in the tomb where the prophet is buried, but my bones right beside his bones. Because the message that he announced is the Lord's message against the altar in Bethel and against all the temples in the high places on the high places in the cities of the north will certainly be fulfilled. After this happened, Jeroboam still did not change his evil ways. He continued to appoint common people as priests as the high, at the high places. Anyone who wanted the job, he consecrated as a priest. This sin caused Jeroboam's dynasty to come to an end and to be destroyed from the face of the earth. At that time, Jeroboam's son Abijah became sick. Jeroboam told his wife, Disguise yourself so that the people cannot recognize you are Jeroboam's wife. Then go to Shiloh. Ahijah the prophet, who told me I would rule over this nation, lives there. Take ten loaves of bread, some small cakes, and a container of honey and visit him. He will tell you what will happen to the boy. Jeroboam's wife did as she was told. She went to Shiloh and visited Ahijah. Now Ahijah could not see. He had lost his eyesight in his old age. But the Lord had told Ahijah, Look, Jeroboam's wife is coming to find out from you what will happen to her son, for he is sick. Tell her such and such. When she comes, she will be in disguise. When Ahijah heard the sound of her footsteps as she came through the door, he said, Come on in, wife of Jeroboam. Why are you pretending to be someone else? I have been commissioned to give you bad news. Go tell Jeroboam, this is what the Lord God of Israel has said. I raised you up from among the people and made you ruler over my people Israel. 
I tore the kingdom away from the Davidic dynasty and gave it to you. But you are not like my servant David, who kept my commandments and followed me wholeheartedly by doing only what I approve. You have sinned more than all who came before you. You went and angered me by making other gods formed out of metal. You have completely disregarded me. So I am ready to bring disaster on the dynasty of Jeroboam. I will cut off every last male belonging to Jeroboam in Israel, including even the weak and incapacitated. I will burn up the dynasty of Jeroboam, just as one burns manure until it is completely consumed. Dogs will eat the members of your family who die in the city, and the birds of the sky will eat the ones who die in the country. Indeed, the Lord has announced it. As for you, get up and go home. When you set foot in the city, the boy will die. All Israel will mourn him and bury him. He is the only one in Jeroboam's family who will receive a decent burial. For he is the only one in whom the Lord God Israel found anything good. The Lord will raise up a king over Israel who will cut off Jeroboam's dynasty. It is ready to happen. The Lord will attack Israel, making it like a reed that sways in the water. He will remove Israel from this good land he gave to their ancestors and scatter them beyond the Euphrates River because they angered the Lord by making Asherah poles. He will hand Israel over to their enemies because of the sins which Jeroboam committed and which he made Israel commit. So Jeroboam's wife got up and went back to Terzah. As she crossed the threshold of the house, the boy died. All Israel buried him and mourned for him in keeping with the Lord's message that he had spoken through his servant, the prophet Ahijah. The rest of the events of Jeroboam's reign, including the details of his battles and rule, are recorded in the scroll called the Annals of the Kings of Israel. Jeroboam ruled for 22 years, then he passed away. His son Nadab replaced him as king. Now Rehoboam, son of Solomon, ruled in Judah. He was 41 years old when he became king, and he ruled for 17 years in Jerusalem, the city the Lord chose from all the tribes of Israel to be his home. His mother was an Ammonite woman named Naimah. Judah did evil in the sight of the Lord. They made him more jealous by their sins than their ancestors had done. They even built for themselves high places, sacred pillars, and Asherah poles on every high hill and under every green tree. There were also male uh, cultic prostitutes in the land. They committed the same horrible sins as the nations that the Lord had driven out before the Israelites. In King Rehoboam's fifth year, King Shishak of Egypt attacked Jerusalem. He took away the treasures of the Lord's temple and of the royal palace. He took everything, including all the golden shields that Solomon had made. King Rehoboam made bronze shields to replace them and assigned them to the officers of the royal guard who protected the entrance to the royal palace. Whenever the king visited the Lord's temple, the royal guard carried them and then brought them back to the guard room. The rest of the events of Rehoboam's reign, including his accomplishments, are recorded in the scroll called the Annals of the Kings of Judah. Rehoboam and Jeroboam were continually at war with each other. Rehoboam passed away and was buried with his ancestors in the city of David. His mother was an Ammonite named Naamah. His son Abijah replaced him as king. So we see in these stories, again, uh, all these warnings, warnings about what's going to happen if you don't listen, warnings what's going to happen when you disobey God, warnings of, of what life is like when you disregard what God says is good. And it happened to Rehoboam, it happened to Jeroboam, and both of them wouldn't listen to those warnings. And the reason we listen to God, the reason why it's worth listening to him, is found in Psalm 47, which describes God in some beautiful and powerful ways. Psalm 47. For the music director by the Korathites, 
a psalm. All you nations, clap your hands, shout out to God in celebration, for the Lord Most High is awe-inspiring. He is the great King who rules the whole earth. He subdued nations beneath us and countries under our feet. He picked out for us a special land to be a source of pride for Jacob, whom he loves. God has ascended his throne amid loud shouts. The Lord has ascended amid the blaring of ram's horns. Sing to God. Sing. Sing to our King. Sing. For God is King of the whole earth. Sing a well-written song. God reigns over the nations. God sits on his holy throne. The nobles of the nations assemble along with the people of the God of Abraham. For God has authority over the rulers of the earth. He is highly exalted. And so the psalmist makes the case. The reason we listen to God, the reason why his warning should be things that we are obeying and following is because he is the great king. He's the king above all kings. There is no one higher than him. There's no one greater than him. He is the ultimate king, the king of kings. And we see that in the life of Jesus as well. And it leads us to our final uh, passage today found in Titus, Paul's letter to Titus. And in Titus chapter 2, we hear more of Paul's instructions about how to live and some warnings mixed in here as well about what happens when we don't live in the way that God calls us to live in response to God's grace. Titus chapter 2. But as for you, communicate the behavior that goes with sound teaching. Older men are to be temperate, dignified, self-controlled, sound in faith, in love, and in endurance. Older women, likewise, are to exhibit behavior fitting for those who are holy, not slandering, not slaves to excessive drinking, but teaching what is good. In this way, they will train the younger women to love their husbands, to love their children, to be self-controlled, pure, fulfilling their duties at home, kind, being subject to their own husbands, so that the message of God may not be discredited. Encourage younger men, likewise, to be self-controlled, showing yourself to be an example of good works in every way. In your teaching, show integrity, dignity, and a sound message that cannot be criticized, so that any opponent will be at a loss because he has nothing evil to say about you. Slaves are to be subject to their own masters in everything, to do what is wanted and not talk back, not pilfering, but showing all good faith in order to bring credit to the teaching of God our Savior in everything. For the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation to all people, It trains us to reject godless ways and worldly desires and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in the present age. As we wait for the happy fulfillment of our hope in the glorious appearing of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. He gave himself for us to set us free from every kind of lawlessness and to purify for himself a people who are truly his, who are eager to do good. So communicate these things with the sort of exhortation or rebuke that carries full authority. Don't let anyone look down on you. And I love how Paul, in his warnings, his instructions, makes it clear that the motivation to follow God, to trust God, to obey God, to submit to God, and to to do what he wants us to do is the incredible saving grace of Jesus. That Jesus has set us free from sin, but also set us free to obey and to follow God in thankfulness and in joy because of his great love that he has shown us in Jesus. Thanks for listening to the Bible in 260 podcast. May what you have heard speak to your heart and mind today. 
The scriptures quoted are from the Net Bible, http netbible.com, copyright 1996-2019, used with permission from Biblical Studies Press, LLC, all rights reserved. Our theme song for the podcast is The Call by Emily Ruth. You can find The Call and other music by Emily Ruth on Apple Music or Spotify or wherever you find your music. You were always there.